0: Welcome to another episode of the My Creative District podcast where we discuss how to channel your creative power into building the life you want, building the business you want, and making the impact you want. We believe creatives can live out a passionate and fulfilled life when they completely embrace their unique design and purpose want to turn your passion into profit, stay tuned to hear from industry professionals, paradigm shifters, and world changers who have done just that and live it every day. This is the My Creative District podcast with your host Jesse Paul Smith.
1: Hey guys, today I am interviewing Jesse Sykes and we'll be discussing how he lives out an authentic life and how that has built a huge platform for him in the dance community but before we do that i want to remind you that my creative district and worldwide dance challenge has just reopened enrollment into the worldwide dance challenge academy if you know anyone that's interested in learning how to dance from instructors around the world and have the mindset to make yourself successful in that industry make sure to visit worldwidedancechallenge.com forward slash academy to learn more jesse sykes man it is an absolute honor and a privilege to have you on here on this podcast and i'm excited to get on and and talk about your journey um one of the things i, I you know i love about you is not only are you a dancer but you're a philosopher and you love you're big on mindset which obviously i am as well and so i'm excited to to, to jump in and talk about you know your message that you have so uh, strongly about authenticity And how you feel like that has been a caveat to help you build your platform, being known literally all over the world, working with, you know, you've worked with World of Dance, you've worked with Masters of Illusions, and uh, and done a ton of work uh, internationally as well. So super excited to have you on the the, uh, interview today. Thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here, bro.
1: I want to dive into things, but before I do that, I always like to kind of start with a little bit of context. So the audience that doesn't know who you are yet can kind of get to know a little bit about you. Let's go back into the, you know, 12, 13 year old version of Jesse Sykes. Like what was (laughs) going on in your life at that time? And what were your, some of your aspirations
2: at that time? Oh man, going way back. 12-year-old Jesse Sykes wanted to be a professional soccer player. That's what 12-year-old 12, 12 Jesse said. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. I was I was on the field constantly, super disciplined, uh, playing other sports as well, but for the most part I was I was drawn to soccer. At this age I didn't even know what dance was. I've always been inspired by music and I've always been inspired by movement, but I had no idea. I was, you know, being a little nugget. I'm still figuring out what I'm trying to do. But ultimately I knew I wanted to move my body. Ultimately I knew I wanted to do something that gave me so many valuable lessons within a sport or within an outlet of some sort. So 12 year old Jesse was, was chasing the dream of being a soccer player yet not knowing if that was truly it <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's funny too because when when I was growing up, I was always kind of testing the waters and trying new things. Like I sports-wise I played basketball, soccer and football, but soccer was what I gravitated towards. I tried to pick up painting for a little while. I was always, you know, just trying to get outdoors. So my curiosity has always been there and um and the way that I look at the world has always been like with all open perspective. So twelve year old Jesse was like, I'm gonna be a soccer player, but you know if something else works, if I want to become Picasso, I guess I could become Picasso as well. So <laughs> yeah.
1: Was that like a popular sport in the school that you were going to? So were, were did that like deem you into the
2: jock status and make you kind of a popular kid because of that? So as far as that goes, I I grew up military. So when I picked up soccer, it was my last year living in Alaska. And so we lived in Alaska before we lived here in Utah. My dad was stationed at Isleson Air Force Base, which is in Fairbanks. And I had just started getting into sports. Right. And soccer in Alaska was kind of difficult because the winter was so long. And so what would happen is you would barely get a spring and that's prime time for soccer So realistically, your season was a little bit shorter. So when I moved to Utah, actually a year later is when I really got exposed to sports. Um, I could join because my my father had gotten a four year term here in uh, in uh, Leighton, Utah, Hill Air Force Base. And so I knew I was going to be here for a little while. We didn't know that we were going to retire at this point yet. But with that being said, I knew that I could set up shop a little bit. I came into my junior high school and they had a flourishing sports program. And so I just immediately jumped right in and started playing. So it was a little more plentiful here in Utah to find teams to play with, recreational leagues, but also to play for the school too. You start moving around. So obviously
1: you moved around a lot as a military kid. I mean, did you did you struggle with like building a community of people that like friends and stuff like that? Or so did you become a loner at that point? Or did you, I mean, have you always been an extrovert like, what was your personality? How did, that, how did that get affected by moving around all the time?
2: Yeah, it, it definitely had a pretty profound effect on our lives, like uh, our family in, in, in total. Um, I only ever really had like one to two good friends as we moved around just because I knew two to four years later, we'd be moving again. Plus, I was, I was fairly young while we were doing the, the bulk of our uh, assignments. yes. It definitely made an impact. And what it caused me to do is actually to figure out that I'm actually an ambivert, which is a term that reflects uh the idea that you are both extroverted and introverted. You're a blend of the two, right? And it, it changes based off scenario I've noticed. So totally, growing up totally get that. Yeah. Gr- yeah. Absolutely right. Growing up, I was I was a little more introverted as a kid. I would I would focus more so on whatever I was doing. Like if I was playing sports, I would really get into it. Or if I was painting or if I was jamming out to music, whatever it was, I always wanted my own space. And then sports actually taught me how to become a little more extroverted, to start working as a team and start having fluent conversation and and becoming more confident in myself and more disciplined and more open. So that's where that blend started to happen and now it's beautiful because i know when to retract and i know when to dive head first um i'm still that way i'm still very i mean like this whole quarantine thing is actually like right up my alley it's not too, <laughs> it's not too bad man so i'm at the point where like I'm, I'm definitely still ambivert in nature uh i would say yeah it definitely just depends on the scenario with dance i'm definitely extroverted i definitely i'm just like here's my insides Take a yeah. look, let's get it. Let's dive into class. Let's dive into the session, whatever it is. If I'm at a battle, I'm the first person like hyping. I'm the first person to like make sure I get that seat right in the front so I can see everything going on. If I'm judging, I'm very expressive as a judge. So it really depends. But then, you know, like if I'm at home, I don't mind sitting in complete silence by myself for for three straight days, you know. Yeah. I can I can totally relate to that.
1: People ask me because I um, I would identify with that a lot because i am more of an introvert a lot of times especially when i'm in a group of people i get really withdrawn because i i don't i don't know me and meeting new people gets really awkward for me for whatever reason Same. (laughs) but if i'm like if i'm on stage like that's my home like i feel like i control the spot and so like i'm i'm totally expressive on stage especially when i'm performing whether it's speaking or dancing or singing or whatever the deal is like i'm totally comfortable there but it's yep. in that like you know a room full of people you don't know a lot of people I'm totally a dude sitting in the back corner really nervous to uh to, yep. uh to interact I love being at home but I think some of this you know this pandemic stuff definitely has like there for the first couple months I was like okay we're good and then this, yeah like after a couple months I'm like all right now I just need to like have human interaction because <laughs> this is killing me <laughs> but uh but I'm, so I'm curious, you, you did soccer, um, you, you get into, um, you know, you start moving around, obviously move to, to Utah. When does the dance stuff start to come into play?
2: Yeah, that, that's interesting. That's a good question. So when, when dance started coming into my life, I was actually, it was actually before I moved to Utah and not, and, and what I mean by this is, is I wasn't dancing. I wasn't going to class. I wasn't doing anything. I literally just watched my older brother and I watched things like Michael Jackson perform live. I watched Usher. My mother's side of the uh, family is Puerto Rican. So culturally, we always had music on. My dad is a singer. So he's always jamming. So naturally like that, that just authentic version of dance comes out where it's like, you don't really care. You're just jamming to jam. Right? So casually dancing throughout growing up seeing my family and then I got to Utah man and it, and it just took off I experienced my first cypher in Utah and we stumbled across it on accident we were actually we were actually going to downtown Salt Lake City and I stumbled across a thing called Funk Night which is it's no longer going on which really stinks but um, what it was was every Tuesday and Thursday night dancers from from the community would all meet up at the downtown Salt Lake City Library right outside. There was this pavilion and they would set up and uh, it would be a live DJ and they would rotate the DJ. They would set out the linoleum and everyone would gather around and start ciphering. And it was just super energetic. They had worked out a contract with um, with the library to hold the space and so they could jam like as loud as they wanted, right? Me and some friends are downtown and i literally walk past this and immediately i'm just like i've seen dance before in the past i know i love music i i know i'm drawn to it and i remember just looking at that cypher and like naturally instead of just like hey guys i'm going to i'll catch up with you i naturally just turned and started walking towards it like i i was gravitated towards this no matter what i i get to the cypher and I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to squeeze my way in, see what's going on in the middle, because I don't know what's going on. And I get in the middle, and this dude is ripping it in the center. His name's Robot Rob. It's interesting because he's not necessarily an OG, because he's not super old, but he's one of the very first poppers that I know of in this community. Him and a, there's another dancer, his name's uh, Digga Beats. Those guys were two of the first people that I ever saw pop and have been popping for, you know, almost 20 years now here in Utah. So definitely helped pioneer the popping scene in Utah. But I remember watching Rob and seeing this dude do robot at such, he was roboting at such a high level. He looked so fake. And I immediately was like, what is happening? Like this guy has, transformed into something that i've never i've never experienced this before in my life and so this time i'm 15 years old i'm i'm bold i'm i'm feeling bold in this environment and I'm, i'm going up to rob and poking him and saying yo dude what what are you doing what is that like what tell me tell me more and he like daps me up he's super chill just starts you know he introduces himself starts talking about what's going on here and and he tells me that it's reoccurring. And I'm like, oh, nah, like this is reoccurring. I'm coming back. I'm coming back every week. Like, really? And he's like, yeah, it's open for whoever. It doesn't cost money. You just come and jam. And so Robot Rob really like took the, the door, turned the knob, cracked it for me and said, if you want to come, come. And I kicked that door open, bro. I literally, I literally was at funk night every single Tuesday. And then they did on Thursdays. It was it was house night, so it was still the same same concept, same spot, same venue. But they'd play house music, and everyone would jam to that. But I would still go, and I'd pop, or I'd try to learn some house steps, or whatever it may be. So Rob really kind of helped shift me into that space. And the beautiful thing is, being half Puerto Rican and growing culturally up with my mom's side of the family. I knew some dance already. I knew I had rhythm already, yeah, which, was yeah. be- which was beautiful. I had that natural gift and natural ear for music, thankfully, to my family. And, and so when Rob, you know, kind of opened the door for me, it was, it was history at that point. I mean, I, I completely fell in love with it from the very get-go, from the jump, it was all in. There was no holding back. I literally, I still played soccer throughout high school, and I had the decision, you know, I had a couple decisions to make like, all right, is dance gonna be it or is it gonna be soccer? And I chose dance. And I'd been playing soccer all my life at that point. So it was just something different. It's something that i never experienced before and something that I knew that I wanted to consistently be in. And so the more that I went into it, the more that I got out of it and the more I fell in love with it. And it just, it just transcended into a full on career and uh, I mean a roller coaster for sure but yeah I I owe a lot of it to Funk Night and to Rob and to all the people there that helped me grow. So I'm curious with
1: with with you talk about with this Robo Rob you know did he not only did he open the door as far as like make you feel welcome did he do anything more than that like when you went back did he recognize you did he did he talk to you or was it kind of a one-time occurrence where this guy you know, made an impact in your life at that moment, and then you just didn't see him anymore?
2: No, <laughs> yeah. he uh, he, uh, he, definitely like kind of said, come here, little guy, I got you. He said, okay. all right, all right, bro. I'm gonna introduce you to a couple people here. I'm gonna be here if you ever need anything. If you have questions, let me know. Like if there's anything you wanna learn, let me know. Which was really interesting because I was, I'm, I'm a visual learner for the most part. And so I'm watching them get down and then trying to figure out what they're doing. And then I would ask Rob questions every once in a while. But Rob was consistent there. That was the beautiful thing about Funk Night and House Night was the people that went, they were there. You could depend on them being there every single week just because it was one of the main spaces that we
1: had to grow in. Now I'm curious, was this Robo Rob, like did he have a name? Like did people know who he was? Was he kind of, whether it was, a name in your community or a name in the dance world period? Did like, did he already have an established platform at that point?
2: Which is, this is really interesting. This is the kicker. The answer to that question is no. He was super, he's, he's, how do I put this? He's our gem of our community here mm. at this time and in 2007, right? He's only getting down in Utah. Doesn't really use, I mean, I don't even know if social media was a thing back then, but he doesn't really, he doesn't really like put his name out there. He doesn't travel too much. He really just loved popping. Sure. And and so by seeing his example, I think that's also what had to do with a lot of the authenticity of my own style. As I was looking at Rob, I was looking at another dancer, Micah Clark, this locker and popper, Tad. I was looking at Nosey T. These are all poppers and, and dancers in our community at the time going to the session. And all of them were just like, just doing it because they loved it. They were, I mean, a few of them would travel and battle and things like that, but for the most part, no, they all were just underground. So let me ask you this.
1: Had Robo Rob not been there, how different do you think, not only your dance journey, but your journey in life, how do you feel like his that moment meeting him was such a pivotal point for you. I mean, if he wasn't there, what would happen? Do you think that you'd still have found dance? Do you think it would have still been what it
2: is for you now? Or do you really feel like it was because of who he was that changed your life? I think I would have still found dance. Now this is like, (laughs) <laughs> in an alternate universe jesse sykes the b-boy
0: <laughs> uh, yeah yeah yeah. i
2: feel like that might have happened to be honest because okay it wasn't that i was naturally grabbed i couldn't see rob when i went to the cypher i literally okay. was just like music energy dance i'm on my way right okay, and sure. so if i get to the cypher and let's say i pop my head in the cypher and let's say b-boy kool-aid who's a who's a dancer out here is going who's a phenomenal b-boy if he was dancing maybe i would have approached him right and maybe i would have been like hey tristan like what what can what, what what is this what can i what can i learn like how can i get involved but the beautiful thing about this all is anyone at that session would have opened the door and that's what i love so much about the utah community any of them would have opened the door for me, so, which and is I, beautiful. And I love this. And the reason
1: why I'm asking this question is because, I mean, first of all, we could probably have a conversation about how valuable you think mentors are in, in life, business, anything, right? right? But, you know, do you feel like with the way things are going with Instagram, social media, and how dancing is now becoming more of a celebrity status, as opposed to like, you know, as opposed to, you know, dancers back in 2005 and 2006, like when I was, when I was dancing, like, granted, you had your, you know, you had your people, Twitch was still kind of who he was, you know, you had your Nick Basses and, you know, uh, Misha Gabriel and and all those guys, Kenny Wormold and and, and them, but, you know, they were still dancers where now dance has kind of transitioned into almost like some dancers are celebrities, just as big as actors or singers are nowadays. Yeah. Do you feel like there's some, there are, there is getting this disconnect with some of these celebrity dancers that don't make time to be a mentor, and do you feel like that's something that you're seeing, um, and is that impacting the community?
2: Yeah, I think the social media generation is is quite interesting. Honestly, I think the number one thing that has been going on is a lot of people have been idolizing dancers as if like you said they are famous and some of them are insanely famous it really i guess depends on it's a case to, it's a case by case scenario here cuz i've met like let's say let's use fiction for example fiction is world renowned right he's one so you think you can dance he's like 1.8 million followers Dude can do whatever he wants from this point forward with dance, yep. right? Yep. But he's humble and he's, and, he's, uh, and he's friendly and he's open-minded and he's, and he's hungry still and he's, he's teaching classes and, and doing all these things on his platform to like show the community uh, that he comes from and battling and doing a multitude of things, right? So he's a prime example of, okay, this social media generation and this social media wave can be utilized in a very positive light right and then you have like 9 out of the 10 that use it to to you know to build and monetize right which yeah. there's nothing wrong with that right but you can tell who's really in it for the right reason and who is trying to just purely make money off of it and then that goes into the culture itself is it's a black culture right and so a lot of the times people are monetizing and not respecting that and not respecting our root and not respecting our foundation and our history and not even the music sometimes. And so I think that mentorship is so key because a lot of these dancers blow up at a young age and they they almost essentially feel like they've already made it. And so they don't need to invest in anything else to better themselves, which is completely wrong. You know, you 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 want mentors in your life in order to help not only educate you, to hold you accountable, but also to inspire, to push you, to motivate you. There's so many multiple, there's multiple facets that a mentor offers in your life and, and structure too, you know. And so I think it can get tainted really easy with the social media generation, especially with things like TikTok, for sure because dancers are making stupid money for posting stupid content to be honest (laughs) and and then and then you see your favorite tiktok dancer go to a battle and get smoked you know it's like
1: well we just off
2: the head you know we just
1: saw that on world of dance where you had you know what is it the williams brothers i think it is um where they showed up at world of dance and Derek hoff straight up called them out and said i mean that works great for social media but you know, and you watch their performance, and and not not demeaning them as because they have their own right. brand, and they're I mean they're they're smart. I think there might have been a smart play with that on top of it. Yeah. But you know, because right after the bat, right after the audition, Derek cost like, "Do you want to do a TikTok?" Like <laughs> it was just kind of uh. like so set up, you know. But but to your point, you know, stuff like that can delude. You know, not only the art form of uh, of dance, but the intention behind it. But here's the other question yeah. that I have. So we could go on for so many different ways on this. The other thing that I'm, I'm curious, did you have mentors along the way that not only helped you with dance, but also like the entrepreneurship of dance? Because I think that is something that's not being really talked about too much. Everybody's yeah. looking for their big break, but people are you know, people are missing out on the opportunity to, you know, you don't have to go a certain way to get discovered. You can right. build a platform with dance. And and I feel like for yourself, you've kind of, you know, you've learned that along the way that you, yeah. you, you can, there's multiple avenues. So who, I mean, did you have anybody that mentored you in the entrepreneurship side? Or is that something that you discovered along the way on your own? Or, or how did that come yeah. about
2: for you? I, I definitely think, being business oriented and familiar with entrepreneurship with your craft is so important, right? Now, keeping that authenticity and that in alignment is really important as you go about it. To answer your question, I didn't really think business savvy for a while when I was first learning dance because I was still so new. But once I understood that people were gravitating towards me because of my energy, but also my hunger and my drive. I mean, I was the type of person that would hop in the car for any battle. Someone could be like, yo, there's a battle in Vegas in eight hours. Can you make it? And I'm like, I'm already on my way. And and so I understood risk. And so people started to gravitate towards me. And then people started to ask me for my information and start to say, hey, do you teach? Do you do private lessons? I was like, okay, like, what does this even mean? Like, let's see what's going on. Then I started having those financial conversations with studios. And then from there I started gauging, okay, if I am worth X amount of dollars here, then what am I? What will I be worth in a projected five years or whatever it may be, right? So I'm starting to learn these, these avenues and these aspects of like finding my and determining my own wealth, my own rate, right? And then uh, when I started working at Millennium, which was back in 2014, so about six years ago, is when uh, Kony Ray, who's one of my, my, my best friends, but also one of my mentors, she's the owner of the, the Salt Lake City Millennium. And she, she works directly hand in hand with Jin Lee over at the LA Millennium. Jin and Kony are, are constantly thinking entrepreneurial energy and business and, and trying to traverse those, those, those mountains, right? So Kony was the one that really started to like help me understand these things and 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 get to a point to where she's like let's help figure out a way that one you can present yourself two you can develop curriculum three you can get into spaces where you're you know you're sitting in on seminars where we can have business conversations you're starting to understand all of this lingo you're starting to utilize this you're starting to present yourself more professionally Um, So she kind of like bridged that gap for me. And she's still, she's still one of my mentors to this day, which is beautiful. I was already sort of getting put into those situations where I needed to start figuring out how to monetize or how to determine. And then Kony was like the bridge for me. She was the one that was like, I'm going to show you the ropes. And I'm going to do this in a way where." It's not even so much hands-on. It wasn't that every day I talked to Kony and every day I was on a business conversation. It was just like, you know, she'd just drop some information on me. I'd go research. She'd drop a seminar on me. I'd plug in. She'd send me a podcast I needed to listen to. I'd do this, and so then I started studying business management and marketing in school because I was like, I need to understand these tools, right? So, the the. Most beautiful thing is for the most part, my whole career has been self-made. From the ground up, I just I just hit this and started running. I I just I really loved it. And so I found myself getting into conversation, uh, meaningful conversation earlier on. So I super blessed to then eventually land with mentorship. And then after Coney in 2015, I met Slim. I met Anthony Slim Boogie Armstrong, right? Um, world-renowned popper, probably, arguably, in the top three greatest to ever do it, right? To me, to me, he, in my opinion, he is the best dancer I've ever met in my life, and I think that will remain. But he started bringing in more of those conversations, and so next thing I know, I'm I'm surrounded by this this energy, and I'm really delving into it constantly, and getting to this place where it's like. I I have the right mentorship because they they just kind of poke me and say, hey, go research this. Hey, what do you think about this? Hey, tell me your plans. Tell me your goals. But not in a way where it's like I'm literally under their wing every second, but it's they're letting me fly. They're letting me go find out for my own, which was really beautiful. So I think that's important, important. too. I think that's important
1: because I think a lot of times people are looking for somebody to do it for them instead of the, you know, they think a mentor is the one that's going to get on the phone and make the call for them, right? They're going to be the one that opens their Rolodex. And that can happen sometimes, but usually that's not going to happen until you you've know. proven that you can stand on your own feet to even have the conversation. And I exactly. think that's the that's the real important part that uh, I love what you're talking about there is that, you know, these guys didn't do it for you. They just, right. you, you, they gave you some information and then you ran with it. And then they saw that you were You know, there's a there's a saying that he who is faithful with the little things will be blessed with much, and I think Mm. we want the much now, right? Instead of like instead of like going in after it and saying, all right, this is the little bit of information that they that they they gave me. I'm gonna run with it. I know when I was a young dancer, that was my biggest problem. I was constantly looking for somebody to open the door for me, and you know, I would instantly run to the people that were you know, doing it big, hopefully shaking their hand and saying, great, can you introduce me to all the people you've spent the last 15 years building relationships with? You know, it just doesn't work that way. Right. But, uh, so let's maybe backtrack a little bit and let's talk about the, the, the time where, you know, obviously you're learning all this stuff. When did it come to this point for you in your life where you transitioned from, I love dance to, I think I want to, like, I think I'm going to do something with it beyond just a hobby. What, was there a moment for you, or was there? it, was it just kind of like one day you woke up and was like, holy smokes, like, I'm
2: making money from doing this? Yeah. So I would say in my early 20s is when I transitioned into the space of this is going to be my career. Whether I pick up a nine to five throughout it, and I do this also with the same amount of time, same amount of dedication, or whatever it may be, I knew in my early 20s, that I was going to do this for the rest of my life. And this was going to be something that was going to sustain me, create a, uh, a home for me, and, and be something that is my vessel from here on out. And it's interesting, because I, I didn't know it was happening, but it was happening. It wasn't that like it was a definitive moment that was, you know, someone offered me a contract or whatever. It was never that it was, okay, I've been slowly getting this added on and this added on, and now I'm teaching. Oh, I'm part of Odyssey Dance Theater, which is a theatrical company out here, performing on stages. Next thing I know, people are giving me really like important feedback and saying, you just, you have it. Like this is, this. you're meant to dance. You're meant to be an entertainer. You're meant to captivate audiences. And so all of this little bit keeps slowly getting added on. And before I knew I was 23, and I'm teaching you know, upwards of 500 students a week, and also oh. working for Odyssey Dance Theater, doing stage shows, traveling, battling, I'm winning battles, I'm judging at this point, and I never even asked for any of it. I never was like, this is how I want to to gauge this career, but my perspective and my my awareness of everything and my lanes started opening and shifting. Next thing I know, I'm like, wow, I, I'm very, multifaceted in this. And I, and I, and I offer a lot of value in this. So why not hone in further? Why not try to become a better educator, develop curriculums, uh, full curriculums that I could, I could literally pitch to colleges. And, and, and I've been doing that as well. And like, uh, maybe, maybe a whole system of judging, which, you know, I'm going to share with you. Maybe I develop that from from there, it's like okay. So dancing, if you think about it, I'm I'm performing. I'm I'm telling stories. I'm uh, I'm becoming a character, a creating character, creating and generating emotion. Why can't I act, right? So I started picking up acting gigs and booking a couple commercials here and there. And so it was one of these things that just like all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm really, really, really in this. And I had to just step back for a second to be aware of that. And once I understood that. I, I realized I was just getting started and that this was my first prime. This was the very first time I really caught wind and the fire was ignited. And so from there, it was from about 23 until now, it has literally been nothing but growth in my career, but also it's been opening up the lane and not having my egg in one basket, right? And, and it's funny because a lot of times in dance, we don't even understand a lot of the um, actual value that we bring to the table, right? Like, if you can if you can story tell, that means you can act, right? And a lot of people don't look at that other side of the spectrum. Or like, if if you can move, you can probably model because you can flow freely through posing and posturing, and and your 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 just awareness is different, right? If you can if you're really invested in your dance, then you probably can can speak clearly you can probably articulate well if you really care about your dance you can probably create method uh methodology right and you can share that so then you can be sort of like a professor on the side too right and maybe host seminars or maybe that branches into streaming and talking about topics there's so much right and so around 23 i started realizing this and i started opening up my 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 vision more and more and more and understanding, I guess, the overall power I had, and that I I was different, and that I could do something different with this, right? And so, yeah, I I prayed about it, man, and and it was one of those things where it's like, do what you need to do to support yourself during this prime, whether that's you know, I I was twenty three, from twenty three to about twenty six, I only worked dance. Twenty six to twenty eight, I was back in in and out of Verizon, right just working business conversations even further and I was looking at that as another way of developing my approach for dance right if I can talk to all these different clients about all these different products but also relate to them on multiple ways and and bring this now into the dance conversation it was just networking to me at that point so yeah it it was around 23 and it, it literally just caught caught fire dude
1: so I'm, I'm curious because you know i think one of the things that we especially when we hear somebody come on podcast and i ask a lot of my guests this because i think it's really important for people to realize that no matter how successful somebody is they've had a point in their life or multiple points in their life where their faith in their calling their purpose is tested so you know listening to you say well it's from 23 and look at all these opportunities that opened up but Tell me about a time in there where you had to actually sit in your room or sit in your car or sit on the sidewalk, sit on the street curb, maybe the porch and like really contemplate, dude, am I in the wrong place? Like, is there, was there a time in your life where you thought maybe I'm just meant to do this on the side and enjoy it, but it really isn't meant to be a career for me. Was there a moment for you where you had those, like I call them come to Jesus moments where you had to like really deep inside yourself and find out, is this really for me?
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was the first time I'm, well, the, the only time, the time I moved to LA, it spit up, it, it chewed, it chewed me up and spit me out, dude. I'm not going to lie. Bro, I, I hear out. you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, it does that to a lot of people. Right. So I go, I, I I go all of the year prior saving up. I, 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 I go there with this plan, right. I show up and the whole energy as soon as I get there was so strange just because my living situation wasn't set up correctly. So I ended up living in a house with like eight people and like our room wasn't ready when we got there. Uh, I was dating, I was dating someone at the time. Her name's Jesse Smith. She's phenomenal. And you know, I got to the point to where it's like, I'm, I'm living. I know. Right. <laughs> Let's just clarify. You ain't talking about me. y'all. You ain't talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I, wait as soon as i like sat for a second i was like wait jesse 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 <laughs> jesse jesse s <laughs> jesse 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 smith dang it but so and and you know like i she kept me there for longer than i actually wanted to be there which i gotta like just give credit to that but i moved out it was the first time living with a girlfriend it was the first time Living in LA, it was the first time living with eight other people in one house, right? So it's just so chaotic. I was so distracted and disoriented yeah. from just getting there, and uh, it affected my relationship. It affected those friendships, all of it, right? And then I get to this place where it's like, but but I'm out there, and my dance is flourishing. I'm getting so much better so quickly, right? Um, because I'm exposed to all these greats, right? That's when yeah. I first started actually being a part of The Lot Original Crew. Slim invited me to join. I'm around insane dancers. I feel like I'm growing, but my life is doing this. I'm growing, but the chaos of living in LA is making it diminish, right? So then eventually, that pulled this down with it. Regardless of who I was around, right? Eventually I hit rock bottom, because I'm like, yes, I'm dancing, but I'm so distracted by my environment and, and, and by not being present in the things that matter, that I'm not even present in my art anymore. Wow. And I got to this point, dude, where I'm like, look, I can either stay or I can leave right now. And when, when I leave, I'm taking a break. If I stay, I'm going to figure out how to make this work, right? And I chose to leave because I was so defeated, dude. I literally, it was interesting. I didn't want to quit dancing I just knew that I needed to be away from it for a while and I needed that I needed that rebirth I needed to I died I died in LA right and I needed to be reborn and I and I just was constantly getting killed in LA which is interesting too because you know like I thought I had it all figured out I got out there and I absolutely didn't right I came I became more prepared than most like financially and then just energetically um I was I was so prepared and I just got my legs swept man and and it was it was it was rough and it made me question everything but what ends up happening is it made me also realize that I can operate from anywhere in the world it doesn't have to be LA now granted LA mm. provides opportunities galore right and and you're surrounded by constant creation and evolution. If you're not on the wave, you're drowning. So you want to be on the wave. So you're constantly yeah. doing things to to nurture your craft, right? But that energy of getting swallowed whole made me work harder once I got back here. I cocooned for like 6 months. I didn't dance at all. I literally got home and I just was like no community, no teaching, no nothing. I'm literally just going to reinvent myself. Licking because it wounds I... at that point. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. And it was crazy too, because I made noise when I moved out to LA. Like, I remember I like, w- I was winning battles. I was like smoking people in the ciphers. I was like growing, uh, going to tons of sessions. But then I also like was making moves in the way where it's like, I was taking really important L's too, right? Like I was I was learning a lot of lessons at at the same time. So I was- i was really growing in that environment it was just so uncomfortable and, and and in the wrong way not the right way i wasn't like oh i enjoy this discomfort it was man this is really like affecting my psyche this is really affecting my my physical health as well like i i like within 3 to 4 months out there i was completely like almost depressed it was really it was really it was really uh intense I mean, it ended up making the other Jessie, uh and I break up. It ended up ruining our relationship, which was completely on me, too. She was doing everything normal and everything, and she was doing great out in L.A. She's still out there doing awesome. And I'm just like, who am I? I you know, I started questioning who I was because of the space that I was in out there. And, and I was like, man, I need to go home and like drill that back into my brain of like why I even do this and who I actually am in it because I lost my identity the moment I moved out there. And I think that right there is, is super
1: important. I want to kind of transition a little bit. What did that teach you about, you know um, I know one of the things that you talk a lot about um, whether you're judging a battle or you're doing something is you talk a lot about like just this authenticity, right. Embracing who you are. Did that, did that, part in LA, did that play a lot of you really seeking out authenticity and understanding who you
2: were as a person and as as a dancer, as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that tenfolded that conversation after I actually sat and digested it, right? So that's partially why when I came back to Utah, I sort of just went underground. I sort of MIA from the world because I needed to figure that lesson out. I knew that there was something that I could learn from the experience, regardless of all the other lessons that I had already learned. I knew there was a bigger picture from it. And, and, it, and it was exactly that. It was like, how, how do you go anywhere in the world and stay true to yourself, especially in, in, in dance? Because you're gonna battle some of the best people in the world eventually. You're gonna travel the world eventually. You're gonna be on the judges panel with some of the heaviest hitters. Like I, I, I manifested these things. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to see other communities. I wanted to get in ciphers where I battled the heaviest hitter in the community that, you know, is so far across the world. And I, and I needed to understand my worth so that way it doesn't change based off of where I am. Whether that be environment, whether that be a scenario, whether that be a conversation with, you know, a business mogul or someone that's just starting and 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 just getting their foot on the ground right so it was one of the it was probably one of the most profound lessons ever because i was i was riding this roller coaster and i was just going up and then the track went and i was i was i was crashing right and so it was like an abrupt stop to my momentum and 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 i never actually while i was actually in la I never tried to understand or to think about it. I was just in it. I was just in yeah. it, just getting yeah. defeated over and over and over and over again, that I never even had time to like sit and be like, "Why is this even happening? How do I grow from it? What's the lesson?" Like looking up being like, "I see you, but I don't hear you yet." Like, what's going on? Like, please tell me. I never did that. I never did that. I never got grounded while I was in L.A. And so what happens is I come home, I cocoon i ground myself and i'm like my faith was shook my identity was shook my why was shook so these things will never falter again in the way that they did in la right i had to hit that bottom to realize that there i'm never revisiting this place right so it it immensely impacted who impacted who i am right now immensely
1: so if somebody if somebody is in that place right now where you're where you were at what would you tell them is the number one thing that they need to do to pull themselves out of it? Because ultimately, you know, you had to figure out a way to pull yourself out, right? You were in a cocoon. The only person that's going to bring
2: you out of that cocoon is, is, is really you. Right. So how, how did you do that? For me, it's, it's a rinse and repeat process. Always. Whenever I, whenever I take a really hard L like that now experiencing that I've had similar experiences where it's like, I get to a place I moved somewhere. I lived in Vegas since then. And environmentally, it was so different. It was so loud. It was so chaotic. It was very defeating um, in certain ways. But because I'm able to step back and do simple things like hold my own space for myself, whether that be through meditation or find a safe space in in your city, right? Go somewhere like like I have in Utah. I I have a lookout that I like going to that no one knows where it's at. And I also session there. Like I do things that really kind of nurture my my balance taking i would say at that time too i wasn't taking the best care of my physical health too and all of these things as minute as they might be in the overall picture they were all having effect on me so like a lot of the times when we're in those defeated positions we're at rock bottom is the best time because you can reinvent, but you also have to look at everything in total. You can't just say, I'm at rock bottom, so I'm gonna dance my way out of it. If dance didn't get you out, or if dance puts you there and it's not gonna get you out, right? It's So it's, for me, it was like a whole life overhaul that I needed. And I think that a lot of people could could benefit from stepping back and analyzing, saying like, what, Actually, is wrong. Where where do I actually want to be in certain aspects of my life? And understanding that it's they're all lessons. That's the most important part because you can look at it and be like, "Wow, my physical health, my financial support and stability is not there. My living situation sucks. I just got kicked out of my crew. My girlfriend dumped me. Blah 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 blah. Right? But it's like, how, why, like, what? You know, you have to actually look at these things with other perspectives. And so I would say to anyone that's in that position, take a step back, analyze it, actually think about what you actually, where you actually want to go and where you're currently at, but look at currently as a blessing. Say, I got here at least. I hit this and I'm willing to fight for that next step. I think adopting the idea of failure in, 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 uh, in the process is so important. You have your growth that comes in many ways you have your failure that comes in many ways and you have your rest that you need that you needed to incorporate into your life so this like trifecta of like self-love but also like awareness and perspective always has helped always has helped how did that
1: set you up for where you're at right now and and you know what do you feel you know transpired out of that um, and some of your biggest accomplishments that have come out of
2: your lessons that you learned from that. Yeah, that's a good question. so the 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 big l from l a lit a fire similar to that first fire I felt when I transitioned into the career. Um, so when I was twenty three, you know, I'm like, I caught wind. I am going to run with this momentum. When I took the l, i got i I got fire again, you know, I got, killed off and instead of instead of just going home bloody and battered and beaten up I went home with my chin up at least I made the decision even though I was covered in wounds right and I'm just just defeated chin up right and and for me it was one of those things where it was like I lost the battle but the war has only begun and so I, I looked I looked at it like a warrior mentality I was like just because I take this loss, this doesn't determine my worth. This doesn't determine my outcome from here on out. There so you know. for me, it was, a, it, it, was, it was beautiful to say I, I have to let go of the things that no longer serve me, a.k.a. the past. I learned from that. I sat with it for enough time to let it serve me, to let me understand the best of my ability, and then let go of it. Because letting go of it allowed me to move forward. And, and, to, and to leave it alone and to cherish that I experienced that defeat so that way that fire could start back up. And this time, this time instead of it just being like an orange-red fire, it had the blue now. It was, it was different. It was a different flame. I got hungry again, you know. And, and it was funny because overall, my career has just been coasting up. I've been on a steady growing path, right? And so to be like, I'm growing and then none, no growth, zero growth felt like I was backtracking was the fire that I needed again I needed to be defeated so that way I could look at life with a new perspective or a new strategy right and so for me that transcends into okay I move home around you know 25 almost 26 now at this point and I'm like you know what I cocoon. I sit I grow I learn from it and I'm like, it's time. I, 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 I had that itch again. I had that urge to like, I want to get back into the battlefield and be a, become a master of everything and, and try to do it in a way where I'm going to be a student again. I'm going to be malleable again. I'm going to check my ego more often. I'm going to take better care of myself. And all of these things started to transpire into like this exponential energy lift and and as soon as my frequency rose it was interesting the way that i was thinking about myself and and my own world and thinking that life is happening for me and not to me i started to open up my mind i started to actually study and 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 just restart overall it was such a beautiful blossom and it got to this point where because I was putting myself in that student role, even though my craft is at a high level already, I, I, I just diminished the whole idea of level. I just didn't even need that in the conversation anymore as far as the dance side of the journey goes, right? And so then I restart and right away I'm re-inspired. And as I get re-inspired, energy rises. I'm learning new things. I'm excited about dance. And as soon as I start getting excited about dance, I started realizing that my excitement from dance was not coming just from dance. It was mainly coming from life. I was excited about life again. I was in a place where I was mentally strong, physically doing amazing, taking care of my body. And next thing I know, my self-love transitioned into a lot of energy and momentum in my craft. And the next thing I know, people are gravitating. People are like, I don't know what's going on with you right now, but I feel it. And I'm, and I, and I like it. Like, let's talk about it. Where can I, can I get you at my event? Can I get you over here? Like, do you teach? Like people started coming into conversation with me more often. And it's interesting because then, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that life is this, you know, destination and it's absolutely not. It's the journey. And I start adapting different philosophies and mantras into my life. And next thing I know, contracts getting thrown at me, energy thrown my way, social media starts blowing up. I'm teaching more masterful content because I care more now. Instead of it's not about me, it's now about my community more than ever. It's more about my students now more than ever. It's about me being a student more than ever, investing more time into my, into my uh, relationships with people. And so this transition into the world of dance contract, this transition into traveling internationally multiple times within the last couple of years, this transition into teaching curriculums, full curriculums at multiple colleges, Throughout the states, this transition into having students all around the world, booking more gigs, booking, booking commercials, booking music videos, doing X, Y, and Z throughout my career, just because I shifted where I currently was at, based off of that L, that L was the most important L of my life. That's awesome. So
1: you know, I, and I, I think that's really important for you know a lot of people to realize is that you know, I love what you said that, you know, life happens, you know, for you, not to you. And and when you can take a look at it, then all of a sudden, these most difficult moments that you go through in life are there to actually help you succeed, not to keep you down. And, you know, where we misread, like even I did when I was younger was like, okay, I had this L in LA, had this L in my, in my, you know, record deal. So that must mean that music isn't supposed to be for me that, you know, dancing yeah. isn't supposed to be a career for me. Instead of, Instead of having the the awareness to shift and say, okay, these things happen. What can I take from that experience to now take yeah. me to where I need to go? And I think I think that's really important. And I love the fact that you know I love the fact that you you were able to recognize that and at such a young age because you know that some people they they don't if they recognize it at all sometimes it takes them until later in life. For them to really you know grab a hold yeah. of that so but I, I really appreciate you know what you're doing in the dance community i know that you are reaching out and that's you know one of the reasons why i'm also super excited to have you as you know a judge and worldwide dance challenge um you know it's it's going to you know by you by you experiencing what you've experienced and what we're doing at worldwide dance challenge and not just providing a platform for dancers to dance but providing a platform for us to pour into dancers to to help them become successful. That's where I think that you're going to add a ton of value, not just to that platform, but to every platform that you get involved in. And so we're super excited to have you, but man, I I just know that you dumped a ton of gold on uh, everybody that's listening right now. And uh, I appreciate you so much. Now, if people want to be able to connect with you to, to find you, where's the best way that they can do
2: that through social media or any website or anything like that? Also, first and foremost, thank you for having me. I I, I really, I, it's a pleasure for me to be here. I'm honored. I love your platform. I love the mission. Uh, you're doing amazing things for the community worldwide. So that's that's first and foremost, the most important thing. As far as finding me, I'm mainly through Instagram. It's just Jesse underscore Sykes. I actually just started my YouTube channel as well, which is just my name. So if you were to search that, you'd find it. Now, if you search YouTube, don't go to page three of YouTube, you'll find some gems from when I was like 15 dancing. You don't want to watch those. <laughs> now everyone will. Um, uh, that's but, right, that's right. Yep. So mainly, mainly Instagram, Jesse underscore Sykes, and then YouTube, just my name. Awesome, awesome. Well, listen, man, uh, we appreciate
1: having you, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to see what is in your future because I know it's bright, you. and you got a long ways to go yet. So, thank you so much for all that yeah. you.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the My Creative District podcast with your host Jesse Paul Smith. Here we turn your passion into profit. Follow us on Facebook and stay tuned for another episode of the My Creative District podcast.